Hello and welcome to the Uneducated Rugby Podcast with me, Karen Harris and Lucy Jones. This week we have Andy Davis on to review Cardiff Scarlets plus the Scarlets Cardiff uh, match that was last weekend. Um, Andy, it's great to have you on. First of all, Let, let's start with the positives. Which is having you on. It's lovely to have you back. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Great to be here. Um, another embarrassing loss for. <laughs> yeah, we did say right. Next time we'll have you on, it'll be an easier chat. We'll have something that'll be quite a nice chat for you. And you've come on after. Yeah, well, I was going to say Cardiff's most embarrassing result of the season, but it's not, and that's probably the worst part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's um, it's not a great, it's not a great time to be a Cardiff supporter. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I I have two faces on the screen here, and Andy's like smiling through gritted teeth, and Lucy's there just smiling like a Cheshire cat. Luce, um, you know, let's go back to the original game, the the game that was at Parkescarles last weekend. Um, that game, what? Andy said it earlier to us off pod, but it was like it was like a mirror image of last uh, yesterday's game, wasn't it? In a way, yeah. Um, just it was a lot more extreme yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think that's all down to the red card that Scarlett had um, during the first game with Calamophony. Um But as a Scarlett fan, obviously, um, I'm really happy with both games. Um, it's obviously areas to work on, but as a Welsh fan. It's a shame to see Welsh region just at such a low at the moment. Is it though? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> as as an Ospreys fan as well, I'm I'm not complaining. I just know that at least it's not us for a change. And um, I've come into this pod with two of the smuggest non-Cardiff <laughs> supporters. Uh, uh, yeah, as an Cardiff fan, you shouldn't be too smug. So no, I I I am an Ospreys fan, but. It's just one of those situations where I'm looking I'm looking at Ospreys thinking, I wish we could attack a bit better. And then I look at the other two regions, Dragons and Cardiff, and go, well, at least we're not them. And that's kind of how I feel at the moment, which is... I'm, I'm sorry, Andy, I will stop. Um, but um, <laughs> You're not sorry. No, I'm not sorry at all. Um, but the, 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 let's tackle the games now. And the first the first match... As you said, Andy and Lucy, there that it started off with a good start from Cardiff. Um, it's got a good try through Josh Adams, which you know Josh Adams showing his brilliance in attack. But then it's a little bit same old, same old within discipline. Yeah, I think um, yeah, it started really well. Cardiff kind of um, kicked off at a really good pace and looked like they wanted to play with some intent and some pace and seemed to be controlling the game well. And then the Josh Adams try kind of came off the back of um, a period of dominance, really, in terms of uh, possession territory and then control of the tempo. Um, and I think, um, I can't remember the scoreline exactly, but I think it got about 13-3 or something like that, about 20 minutes in, which feels like a really good place to be after the first quarter and then you had the Sam Costello try where he just kind of walked through Dylan Lewis and uh, Christian Dacey um, and that just kind of seemed to take the wind out of our sails really 
And I mean, it was a good try from him, but it's also shocking defence from yeah. us. Um, and it just let them right back into the game, and then it just kind of felt like downhill from there, really. Yeah, it wasn't the best of defence, I think, as well. Hallam Amos is jogging back into position and is behind the defensive line and he's sort of standing there as Sam Costello runs past him. Um, which, you know, it's not it's not great. Um, and you look at some of the other tries Scarlett scored, the, the Johnny McNichol one where he just does a stop and go on Jason Harry's and that's not great um, either. <laughs> Um, Lewis, I know, I know why you're laughing, but yeah, I was, I was, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of slow wingers, and that's, I just think if you're a winger, you've got to be quick, and Jason Harris isn't the quickest, and that was showing up there. So I was gonna say, like, even, um, even just for anyone, like, let alone wingers, anyone in the back line should have been able to make that tackle. Um, like, like you shouldn't be a professional rugby player if you've got someone that can just run around you um, not do anything particularly fancy and just get on the outside yeah it's just not good enough yeah it's it it is a tactic of McNichols to stop and go and he does it quite well um, to be fair does it again it did it again in the in the second game but the the indiscipline then that the cost Cardiff loose you know you saw the repeated penalties eventually there's the yellow card to Dylan Lewis we'll come to Josh Adams incident in a bit but is that just a case of Cardiff is is that a story of Cardiff season or just within discipline or is that more to do with that Scarlet's were dominance in, in the front front five I think it's a bit of both the one thing Scarlet's have developed on this year is the fitness in the last maybe half an hour yeah um around Christmas time after the whole Covid um, saga then um, with Scarlett we were struggling when it came to the last 20 minutes of the game we'd conceded loads of tries and the last two games well especially yesterday's game it's been the complete opposite where we're actually dominating they're making the mistakes their discipline is just going all over the place um, and then I think the frustration isn't just adding to that it's not helping them yeah. And then Scarlett started pressurising them more. Um, and then, yeah, of course, um, a yellow card is going to happen then if you're making all these mistakes in the red zone. Um, we we were taking advantage of that. <laughs> Just, yeah, scoring easy tries. Then. Yeah, they, they, they were quite easy tries. You know, McNich- I spoke about McNichols first, McNichols second is... Yeah too easy again it's just you know he just steps back on the inside and there's it opens like it opens like the red sea um andy do you want to talk about the red and yellow cards because i think palamophony's reds live i thought 100 percent red do you agree um i think when it is i saw it having already heard that it was a red so it's so i think i went in with my my sort of opinion a bit predis- predisposed already. But um, yeah, I think when I saw it at full speed, it looks bad. Yeah. When you're looking at the replays, it looks a bit more 50-50 just because it's hard to tell actually, like, was it a clear head contact? But um, I think that was largely just because I think it was Thomas Williams who was in the way of the, getting a clean camera angle on it. Um, yeah, I think, I think Calum needs to buy him a pint, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I mean, re- realistically, Calvin is a big bloke. He doesn't yeah. drop his height. He goes in high. And it's not new that Will Dropier is clamping down on head collisions. So if you go in high, then that's the risky run. Um, so I think, and I, th- and I think in those 50-50 calls, personally, I would rather them go on the side of it's fairly likely that it was head contact, so that needs to be dealt with, rather than um, it may or may not have and then be more lenient. I think it's better to be, to, to just try and get rid of those collisions is better to be harsher than um, than more lenient with it. So, yeah, I think it was a fair red card and, yeah, I can't argue with that. On the Cardiff one, um, on the Cardiff yellows, I guess like Dylan Lewis is, I can't even remember what his form is, just like a cumulative thing. Um, it's, it's, it's tricky because it feels like that the game could have gone two ways after that because I think Car- Scarlet's were camped on the line for about five or ten minutes or so because so, I think we went in, it went to about 46 minutes in the first half and you think yeah. if Cardiff can hold out and go into half-time 15-13 down or whatever the score was, um, with without conceding at that point, then game on, come out second half and um, kind of come out a bit refreshed and it's anyone's game. But then just having that go, going in, then 14 men down and losing the conceding the try, so ends up being 22-13. There's a big difference between those two. Mm. Again, it's, it's fair if you run the risk if you're if you're infringing in the red zone. Um, so yeah, I think from that then they just always had an uphill struggle to come back in the second half. Really, yeah, it was always going to be difficult for Cardiff, um, and yeah, it's energy sapping as well. If you if you're trying to hold out, hold out, hold out, and then you concede right at the end, plus you know you've got to play the next what eight minutes or so or however many it was after half time with with a man down it's it's a really psychological energy sapping moment um loose the josh adams yellow cards i've ranted about this about different yellow cards there was there was one there was one actually in the cardiff glasgow game and in my opinion it's rather similar because um the winger consigliere i can't remember exactly how to pronounce his name but something like that and it and he goes with two hands, and he's punished, and he's given a yellow card. Now, in my opinion, that's a realistic attempt to, to reclaim the ball. I think if you've gone with two yeah. hands, you've got a chance. He actually intercepts two passes in the game as well, so he was clearly good at it. Josh Adams won. <laughs> he's flicked it up in the air. He's then trying his hardest, clearly, at, while the ball's in the air, to regather before it lands on yeah. the ground. To me, that's yeah. not that's not a penalty. It's not even a penalty. It's a knock-on, yes. It's not a penalty. Yeah, when you like, look at replay footages and if the hand is up, like, of course, if they're not going, slapping the ball down and um, deliberately knocking it on. So, yeah. and People like him know what they're doing. He knows, I can, I can get this ball and he knows he can back himself on speed and Chandy could get to the other side of the pitch. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It's something maybe referees need to look at a bit more when they when it comes to that decision, rather than quickly decide, yeah, yellow card, deliberate knock on, get off. 
it it seems to be a case of if you are if you are a the last defender, fourteen or a thirteen or a fullback, yeah. and you are you make contact with that ball and the ball goes to ground, you are getting a card. Rather than the actual circumstances of that incident. And that's what frustrates me because you look at certain other ones and they have got away, you know, you look at Bowden Barrett getting away with one, which was murder last autumn. You look at Hogg, I thought got away. I know he's a 15, but he got away with murder um, in the Six Nations. It just seems that there's so much inconsistency around that. And Andy, as a Cardiff fan, did you feel pretty aggrieved with that decision? I kind of felt on the fence. I think um, on the one hand, there are there are quite a lot of cards for deliver knock-ons for stuff, which is 50-50. So it, Josh Adams does know what he's doing and he's a very good player. But then also that means he should know the risk that he runs with doing that. But then on the flip side, they were outside their 22. There wasn't a line break or anything like that. There was, a, there was a set line of defence, so it um, had that ball gone to hand, um, it would have just most likely just been another phase. It wouldn't have actually kind of come to anything. So it did seem like, I think it was 50-50, so um, yeah, there's always a risk run with that, but it did seem on the, on the much harsher side of them, particularly when you take into account stuff like Hogs or going slightly further back like Bowden Barrett's in um, in the autumn. Um, it's tricky when it seems a bit inconsistent and I wonder if there needs to be a slight rewording of the of the framework there just to kind of clarify what is what is classed as deliberate and what isn't. Yeah, completely agree. I think that's been um well documented ever since the Nick Tompkins moment. I think there's clearly a disparity <coughs> there between southern and northern hemispheres as well. Um, so yeah, first game obviously you saw the tries from McNick, two tries from McNichol. It was the Casello try, Calamafoni, and then tries for Josh Adams and both them uh, bookending the game. Uh, what was the final score, Luce? I can't remember off the top of my head. It was thirty-five twenty. Thirty-five twenty. So fairly convincing win for Scarlets, considering they played the final twenty twenty-five minutes with with fourteen well. men. Time of Fonny went off 45 minutes, so they didn't score any tries after that. They just, yeah, um, had a kick in, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was quite a while, really, considering. Yeah. So, after that, the big news probably for the week was, well, there were a couple of things. Josh Adams' injury, he was out. He's been announced that he's been out for a month, which is a shame for Cardiff fans, especially with Europe coming this weekend. Um, and then the Calamaphony red card scandal rose its head again because I think everyone assumed that he was going to get a ban but that was rescinded and I thought that was a bit bizarre Andy what are your thoughts on it yeah I um I agree I think um I, th- I think when it comes to citing with red cards the I think the initial um the initial decision is is it a fair red card or was it a wrongly placed red card? And if it, if the starting commission decides that it's wrongly placed, then they can carry on playing and mm. they say, yeah, it probably shouldn't have been a red card. If they say, yeah, it's fair, it deserved to be a red card and that was warranted, 
then I think every time there needs to be a ban of some kind, and then I guess you get into the, like the mitigation and all that kind of thing. How much um, charity work you've done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whether you when he said please and thank you in the meeting. Yeah, yeah. it but, is. It is. But, but um, but I think if if an incident happens on a pitch and it gets given a red card, that should be a ban. I I really dislike this middle ground that they've gone for where. They, they, I think they said something like it was a fair red card, but um, uh, the red card was punishment enough and it could carry on playing. I think that's just, it just seems like they're sitting on the fence with that one and they just need to make a decision. Like, was was the red card fair? If so, it should be a ban. Or was the red card not fair and should it carry on playing? I, I was very unhappy Particularly yeah. now, considering results and considering how well he played, <laughs> I was very, I was very unhappy that he was allowed to allowed to come to the pitch. I think you know there is ambiguity with the point of contact, but and and yes, you probably don't want to dig out a referee and say, "Look, um, the the referee got it wrong." But at the same time, I don't see why they can't say something like. Like having reviewed the footage more extensively or seen other angles that were unavailable to the referee at the time, no one would care, give a damn if they said that in, in as the announcement and said, we have therefore determined that it was not a red card and it was an incorrect yeah. decision. That's fine. Maybe that's what they wanted to say. I, and, and I hope that's what they want to say because otherwise, if the red card is punishment enough, I don't really see how that teaches the player anything. It says, well, you know, you got away with it this time and your team won. So uh, good luck next time, and maybe your team won't win. And it's just a bit bizarre. And I, yeah, there's a few things that have gone on with sighting commissions recently. We've seen the Tom Banks incident, Lucy, in the Southern Hemisphere with Sanzar letting him off with murder, frankly. Um, you know, and also certain bans that seem to... Charlie Barrett's one. Yeah, yeah, back that that's going back to last year, isn't it? With the the kung fu kick to the face, isn't it? Um, yeah, I I just don't really understand a lot of the decisions, um, and a lot of the bans seem really bizarre. Because I said I said I said this I probably said this on the pod I can't remember to be honest, but I definitely said it to you, Luce, that I think a couple of weeks ago, Duan van der Merwe obviously gets a red card, gets a four week ban, and then uh, now Lang not hundred percent sure on the pronunciation again, but the winger for Bristol. He commits a red card offence, gets a a three-week ban that's reduced to two weeks because he goes to tackle school. Comes back, plays, scores a brilliant try, commits the exact same red card offence, gets four weeks, same length ban. I was like, hold on, surely you throw the book at him. Surely that's a six, seven-week ban because you've gone to tackle school and you've learned bugger all. I just... I just don't understand and I'm waiting to see this week some of the bans that are going to come out because... Um, some of the challenges this week have been appalling. Yeah. Um, the challenge oh, in, in the the Saracens one is diabolical, isn't it, Luce? It's ridiculous, yeah, it's ridiculous. And um, but you you just think like are they, like when are these players going to learn? <laughs> That's just awful. Yeah, and the the Caleb Clark one as well. I think as well. Like... Well, if that was dodgy about it, get away. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, but I think it's, I think it's it's frustrating because it's it's not like this is anything new. This has been going on for like what, like a year, mm. even more than that. Where 
red cards have been a lot more con- lot more common. Um, but it just doesn't seem like actually much difference is taking place. And I think a lot of that comes down to the inconsistency and um, trying to play the referee or having Sansa um, undermining World Rugby and the stance on it and all that kind of thing. And ultimately, it just means that headshots are still taking place um, despite all the stuff that's been going in the on in the news with... Um, uh, with players having really, really severe after effects later on in life, and the game hasn't really changed. It's just got a few more red cards now. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And I I read something that was very. I I, I found this quite interesting because someone just went, "It's never been legal to make contact with someone's head," which is true. Mm. It's never been legal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just finally people are actually making a point and standing up to it um we'll part i'm gonna say we'll park it for the time being because i am coming back to it in about <laughs> 10 minutes time when we come to a certain red card to a, a yellow card to a, a um the card fly off but let's tackle this weekend's game um Andy, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about the positives which were the first the, the first 20 minute performance from cardiff which was superb to be fair yeah, I did. Uh, I did drop you a text uh, asking if we could only talk about the twenty. <laughs> but I might be clutching a straw slightly. But, um, you know, a man's got to ask. Um, yeah, <laughs> I um, yeah, I was, I was, I was pleased on the whole with the start. Of it. I mean, like it again. We started off really well. We started off kind of um, flying out, controlling the game, controlling the tempo, and um, had a couple of good tries which um, felt great, like the Theo Cabango try, really nice bit of um, finishing work from him, and then the Lloyd Williams try where he, uh, he runs a really nice supporting run and gets in the post for it as well, um, or maybe not in the post, I can't remember where he put it down, but um, uh, yeah, started off really nicely, I think um, I started watching that and was just like, right, this could be a really good thing if we've got two tries in the first 20 minutes like we're in sort of potential bonus bonus point win territory which is exactly what we needed after after last week I think I started to have a couple of worries and a couple of doubts um, I think we had two lineouts in pretty much exactly the same place like just inside the 22 and exactly the same thing happened where Scarlett's just nicked possession <laughs> and I think I, I, it's frustrating because I thought we both then, considering the momentum and the pace we had, had we got possession there, um, you'd expect us to come away with some kind of points um, and just had that scoreboard taken over. And then I think it was around like the 20-minute mark um, when Jared has a penalty. It's quite far out, like it's not the easiest kick, but I think as I just thought, right, if he if he gets this and we go 17-0 up, that's really hard for Scarlett to come back for. And then when he misses that, I just have a slight, like, bad feeling in in my stomach that's like, oh, Scarlett, that's let Scarlett's off there. Um, we could have been over two scores ahead. If Scarlett score next, then it's game gone. And it's exactly what happened. And then we had 49 unanswered points. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't wanna, I wanted to give you more time to revel in it, and I, I want to talk more about because they were great tries, so I am going to talk more about it because yeah. the, the Matthew Morgan counter-attack <laughs> is superb. The... <clears throat> the offload to lane and then the the offload from lane and the pickup from Lilo is just divine and then you've got mm. Morgan drawing the last man puts Theo Cabango in with yeah beats McNichol a bit too easily but yeah, I yeah. I said defending was optional in that one and then I watched the second <laughs> half so so maybe maybe I won't talk about defending being optional in that case and maybe move move that to further on in the piece. I think like the thing with Cardiff that I find is when they when they do have the wind on their backs and they're moving forward, they roughly the game can be really good. Yeah. And um they've got a backline that is really, really offensive minded. Um particularly with like the defensive optional uh, <laughs> Matthew Morgan and all of that. <laughs> when when they got the ball, when they're moving at pace and when they're just having fun and checking it about they score tries and um, they've got the the pace and they've got the backs to be able to put away points there mm. um, and to be able to attack the line well. But the the issue, which has just been an issue for a while, is that they don't really have a plan B if their forwards are on the back foot. And I say if, I mean more realistically when. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. And I think... Clearly, a lot of those forwards had had uh, a rocket up their backside in the um, for, for that game. Because so I, I thought Reese Carey first ten minutes was brilliant. I thought um, you know Will Boyd coming in last minute and the offload at the back of the hand to Zoran Lane to stand up. Jack, uh, bless him, Jack Price out to the outside channel. I did feel for him just land straight on his face with Owen Lane passing on the inside to Lloyd Williams to score. Um, you know. It had all the components of a great Cardiff start, but Luce, were you watching that as you know Andy suggested with when when Jared missed the penalty? But were you watching that thinking, "Oh my God, we're in trouble here," or were you thinking, "Yeah, when is the tide going to turn?" Yeah, I was definitely thinking we were in trouble because um, we went fourteen points down, um, and that can be for really two well-matched teams. Um, with these two teams I thought that's a big advantage for Cardiff and we're not looking like we're attacking at all um, whenever we get the ball we're making mistakes um, and, and I'm not going to lie Cardiff looked dangerous in the first half in attack they really yeah. did they made I think over 200 metres but what that let them down were their set pieces yeah. and every time Scarlett's looked to be moving closer to, your, um, to Cardiff's 22 which was only about like three times throughout the whole first half, mm. we'd make mistakes. We'd either drop the ball or, um, well, kind of phone and knock the ball on um, on the try line. So uh, yeah, I was worried. And I texted you, Cadwin, just before halftime, just being like night and a half because we hadn't mm. scored any points. So that Schindler try helped us out. Like if we, I thought if we hadn't scored that try, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. I think I would have been wrong actually. Yeah. As, as I said to <laughs> you as I said to you, Luce, I wasn't watching the first half at the time and all I had from, from you throughout the whole game was nightmare half, oh we needed that, and then I didn't have a single message after. So my assumption being away was 
God, Cardiff must have started really well. I wonder how, how Scarlet's going to get back into this one. Maybe they're not going to. Yeah. Cardiff are going to win this game. Go down two, mini- two minutes from yeah. the end. I see the scoreline and I'm like, ah, right, I see. Um, look, I, as you mentioned, yeah. the set piece was a problem for Cardiff. Um, you, you know, they missed the line out a couple of times and Cardiff's mall defence is absolutely shocking. It is... Yeah. I, I've never seen a side just struggle so much not not even just giving away territory but they give away staffed penalties and I don't mean to dig them out but two of the more experienced players or maybe or the internationals in Reese Carey and Seb Davis were were primary in that um you know Seb ends up giving away a yellow card which if for a penalty try okay you can kind of understand that one but Reese Carey gives away two or three penalties in a mall every single game um <laughs> and and malls that aren't even in his own twenty two. It's malls around the halfway line, in the opposition half. And you're like, why are you giving away penalties there? Because all you're doing is giving the opposition territory or opportunities to kick penalties, like South Africa took in the World Cup. And you know, maybe I'm holding on to that one a bit too long, but you know, sort of. <laughs> but you know, I I just think it's bizarre. Um, I also thought. Scarlet's were winning the aerial battle with Liam as well. That was the yes. other key component, which pro- probably brought Scarlet's back into the game. Um, yeah, he did really well in the actually. Yeah. Um, um, also, I want to say one positive about Cardiff. Um, I really like Theo Cabango. Yeah. I really like him. Yeah, as I said earlier, keep it in your pants loose. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it was it his uh, gritty dance after his try celebration? Which I don't think I I, I think even I I saying that then I was like I'm too old to use the word gritty because I don't even know what it is really some sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think any of us are going to be practicing it anytime soon. But yeah, think... go on. Yeah. Obviously, it's a shame Josh is out for the month. But similar like Kabango, I I said he should have started in the first game instead of Jason Harry's. Um, but <laughs> face as well. Uh, and imagine both of them on the wings together. Um, yeah. I know in lane you really should have stepped up and like wanted to have that place as well. But he he definitely didn't. He didn't help himself. No, um, I like Kabanga going forward. Like all of the Cardiff back three players, I think he's great going forward. Um, I think he's got work to do. Like any yes. winger has. Yeah. Uh, every, in fairness, any winger of 19, 20, 21 have got work to do defensively because, let's be honest, when 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 you're going through schools-grade rugby and club-grade rugby, the, the focus has always been, are you quick? Can you beat people? Yes. You're on the wing. Can you catch a ball? Yes. Great. So you play wing and you run and you score tries. And there's never focus on the defensive side. And that's, that's a side that I think all wingers need to focus on. Um, but, yeah, I, I do like him as well. Um I think we finished with the positives for Cardiff, though, haven't we, Andy? I can't think of any others. So just uh, just to cut in on the Kamanga stuff, I think um, I, I mean I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. Is he's, he's quick? He's clearly got finishing ability. Um, just thinking slightly optimistically because I'm clinging on to any optimism I can. Um, in the weaknesses of his game, in terms of defence and. Uh, Stuff at the high ball and positional play. Actually, being a being in a club with someone like Josh Adams, who Mm. is a very very good technical winger, um, 
very, very good at positioning and all that kind of thing. He's at wing. Play, I mean... Pardon? At wing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. Specifically at wing. Um, but actually, like, he's got a club mate who's arguably one of the best players in Wales to kind of help coach him and help develop that area of his game. Mm. So I'm... I don't want to jump the gun um, in terms of predicting too much for the future for him, but I think he's playing really well and I'm really excited to see how he kind of progresses in the next the rest of the season and then moving into next as well. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I had a chat about him with um, a couple of lads from Glasgow, actually, in John Anderson and John McGinty. And, you know, John Anderson wasn't, um, you know, said he's a young winger, yet it's not raise our hopes too high and that's probably the, the, the main thing we don't need to get mm. carried away and we'll talk about getting carried away with players later but um he's definitely one that has potential um i know the commentators absolutely love him like you can tell the excitement that, that there is around him so it's always a great thing to see in a young winger um with scarlet's loose they missed chances, didn't they? You mentioned the kind of funny knock-on. You've also got the moment where Seb rips the ball when they're on pretty much on the try line. Yeah, it is well there. Yeah. Um, but then eventually the pressure told, the Foxy break, and then I, I don't know how they don't score straight away from the Foxy break. You know, A lot of criticism on Sean Evans, but for me, Foxy yeah. goes the wrong side. I think he needs to go to the left. To, to I think yeah. McNichols on his shoulder. He chooses back in field where the covering defenders were, but... Uh, eventually the try came through Shingler yeah obviously there's things to work on but we scored and then the second half happened yeah (laughs) um, I saw a stat yesterday Um, so the first 20 minutes um, of of the both games so the score would have been combined kind of 24 Scarlet's 3 and then by the end of the game um, Cardiff 10 and Scala's 81. Yeah. After 20 minutes. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's just ridiculous. So that try then, definitely, I think before half time, the momentum switched. And then straight away, we came out firing. Um, and of course, for me, as a Scala's fan, I was really excited. Um, but I didn't expect it to develop as it did. Um, to that extreme. No, I, you know, Scarlett scored straight after half time with, you know, brilliant assists from John McNichol. I know I've criticised him a lot, but the, the certain things he does are brilliant. You know, he does a stop and go on Leon Williams again. Uh, sorry, Lloyd Williams, I should say. Um, puts the fend out, gets the arm free, offloads out the back door to Liam to score in the corner, which is exactly what you want from Johnny McNichol. That's where he needs to be doing his offloads in the opposition 22, not in his own 22, but. It was brilliant play, so I, I, I won't criticise him too much. But the defence, Andy, from Cardiff, I I don't... I genuinely... I've watched it back a couple of times. I don't know where Owen Lane's off. Like, he sort of tries to make the tackle on Johnny McNichol and then he just turns his back on play rather than... You've got to stop the man who's got the ball. You've got to... Come what may, get... Even if, if Johnny McNichol pulls off a ridiculous offload off over a win lane's head, fine. But you've got to tackle a ball carrier. Yeah. Or even that, you've just got to make a decision. I think it's because like, either he tackles McNichol and, um, and then 
potentially leaves Liam Williams open or he carries on marking Liam Williams and trusts his inside man to get him a nickel. I think the issue is when he uh, he kind of like tries to do both and then it just means that neither work. Um, whereas actually had he just really clearly made a decision as to which one he was going to choose, then um, then it's just much harder to harder to attack against. Yeah, Owen Lane ends up running into the touch area. Uh, so I don't really know where he's off. This is my point, and and you know, but I, you know, he's, Matthew Morgan's there as well. But um, you know, I think think a lot more <laughs> needs to be said about that. I think um, there's there's a, there's a moment then where Jared gets a yellow card, and I mentioned we couldn't come back to head head collisions because it's it's a passive tackle is the term they like to use isn't it or it's a or it's a it's not of high not a not a tackle of high degree of danger now from my understanding having watched Leinster Connacht or Connacht Leinster sorry on Friday night Lucy I know you saw this as well that if it is a passive tackle or tackle with a very low degree of danger even if it breaks the opponent's nose that immediately (laughs) means it's reduced to a yellow card um, now, I know a lot of people felt that that should have been a red card for Jameson Gibson Park on Friday because he's broken Kieran Marmion's nose. But if that's a yellow card, then if you add the mitigation of the fact that Johnny Williams is clearly falling into Jared Evans, well, how is that still a yellow card? Surely then that's mitigated down to a penalty. Do you agree, Luce? There's just so much inconsistency, I think, yeah. um, with the whole contact ahead. Um, because if, I'm not, I thought um, Gibson Parks as well as a red because the fact it didn't look like there was much force, which would have been a, a, a mitigation. Um, but there's obviously force because he broke his nose. Yeah. <laughs> and he was bleeding um, non stop on the pitch. Um, so. Yeah, considering that, I would have given that a red. I agree with Jared's yellow um, because there was a drop in height from Johnny as well, and he's a big bloke. Um, but it's again a contact to the head, mm. and Jared's te- te- tackle technique should be better, and he should know better. I, I don't know. I feel like, in a way, if someone is even. If someone's attempting it, even it should be just like straight off because they should learn. Because it's da- yes, danger um, to the players. That's what they're trying to get rid of. For me, that's not the tackle you're trying to get rid of. I I I I, I get your point because there is contact to the head. But it, for me, that's a tackle that is a passive tackle. That's a fly half tackle where you're just sort of hoping the guy goes to ground <laughs> somehow automatically, and you're sort of just like letting him down easily. Um, I. Yeah, I, personally, I thought it was just a penalty, the Jared one. As, especially, I, I thought James and Gibson Parks was a yellow. I know he breaks his nose, but that's my opinion. It's a yellow because it's a passive tackle. I then think Jared's, therefore, should be mitigated down a level further to a penalty. Andy, where did you stand on it, or are you just um, thankful not to see a red? Um, I, on first watching, I was thankful not to see a red, just because I think... Um, there's head contact. As soon as there's clear head contact, that's in the discussion. Um, I think, and yeah, it's tricky with the framework. Um, just with actually, where to where does this passive tackle actually means? And I guess part of me is concerned that that 
potentially translate to if it's a smaller person who is like isn't going to be making dominant tackles then that means they kind of get away with more and they kind of get away with having head contact or not adjusting their Mm -hmm. technique Mm -hmm. for safety reasons um and they can get and yeah granted i think callum afoni having head contact is going to do a lot more damage than jared evans having head contact but (laughs) both players have equal responsibility to avoid that where possible so um I think we're trying to stick my neutral hat on. I think as soon as there is head contact, then you've run a massive risk of, like, on a different day, a referee could have given Jared a red for that. On a different day, they could have mitigated it to a penalty, and then I guess that comes back to the inconsistency. But um, realistically, if Jared wanted to avoid that being an option, could have just dropped his height and made sure his shoulder didn't connect with Johnny Williams's face. Like I know, I know he's dropping, but Jared made like no attempt to get low at all. So no. I think he ran the risk, and realistically, I think yellow is probably warranted. No, you made a really good point there, Andy. Um, yeah, especially when you talk about smaller players getting away with things. I think we've seen that a few times. Ala Davis maybe got away with a few things recently with Freddie Burns, for, uh, sorry, George Ford first and foremost, and then the Faf de Klerk incident, depending on where you stand on that one. Um, yeah. So then, yeah, yellow card to Jared. Then there's the Garen Smith knock-on, which is basic. You can't knock it on in your own five-metre line. You, you know, it just, it was a pressure. It yeah. was a pressure. And then Win Jones start comes on, dominates the scrum, starts driving them backwards for fun. Then there's the mall, then there's the Seb, collapses the mall, leads to a penalty try. He gets the yellow cards. Cardiff goes out to thirteen. Dan Davis then scores the bonus point, and that's you know, that is when the the floodgates start to open, you know. I think for the last half an hour there's one moment for Cardiff, which is the Garen Smith break. And then um, well, you know, they, they had a few moments just after Dan Davis's try, and because the TMO took so long, I genuinely think the momentum just like stopped a bit. So, um, Cabango made a break, yeah. um, passed it inside to Tomas. Yeah, that was a chance, and I think that led to Gary Smith's um, little break as well on the right hand side. Um, so they did have a few chances, and Skyers didn't score until seventy first, seventy second minute. No, I I know, but maybe maybe I'm, I'm looking through Harry hindsight here, but I never thought Cardiff were going to score. No, same. Because you know, especially sorry to cut across you, Andy, but the, especially when you see little moments like the big players stood up with Foxy getting that penalty turnover, Liam getting a turnover. Those are the moments where you want your big players to stand up, and that. There seem to be more big players on the pitch for Scarlett than there were for Cardiff. Maybe that's mm. slightly to do with team selection, etc., and injuries as well. But um, yeah, I, I was never worried for Scarlett. I was about to say as a Scarlett fan, but I'm not a Scarlett fan. <laughs> go, go on, Andy. Um, I think just to go on that um, that Cavango break, I think I mean it's a good individual play from him. Thomas Williams is there, but they're surrounded by Scarlett, and mm. then. Because I think he gets tackled into touch. And I remember thinking, like, actually, considering how many Scarlets there were and how far away the kind of support runners were, actually to be tackled into touch is probably quite a good outcome out of that because had they stayed in, realistically, Scarlets would have either turned the ball over and had a counter-attack opportunity or they would have got a penalty because um, 
it was Theo, Tom, Austin, and no one else for about 10, 15 metres or so. Mm. Um, but I think, like, I think, look, because I, I watched the last 20 minutes, um, again, just kind of before we saw, before we came on, and I was thinking, like, like when Thomas Williams come on, comes on, arguably our first choice, and somebody who can inject a bit of pace and a bit of creativity, um, also, we had Jared Evans come back on around 20 minutes, then a few minutes later, then Seb Davis coming on. That's when you want your, your senior players to just be like, right, boys, we just need to calm down. Um, the 14 points ahead, but we've got time, we've got to 20 minutes. We just need to keep our discipline up, not let up in defence, play in the right areas, and then see where we end up. But it just seemed like in that whole second half, from when they came back, it was just panic stations. Because mm. um, realistically, like they came back in with the lead. The Scarlets got the try just after half time, but then it's fourteen, it's fourteen all, and there's most of the second half to play. Um, at that point, the Scarlets have the momentum with them, but for uh, it wasn't an inexperienced Cardiff side, so they had enough senior players that I would expect to just be able to be like, right, it's fourteen all. Let's do do the basics well and see where we can come with this. Whereas just, I mean, going down to 13 men, just got to ride that storm and just ride out 10 minutes and hope not to concede too much. But then when you get to those last 20 minutes, when you're back up to 15, like they could have, they, they could have come back into it and they could have at least um, see if they could draw out a losing bonus point or something. But there was just no sort of composure with them at all really well i'm i'm gonna disagree with you here mate and so yeah i'm gonna do it reluctantly but like the, the last last 20 minutes you look at those substitutions that they bring on the cardiff obviously ellis jenkins goes off i'm not we spoke about this just off pod earlier we're not mm. sure if that's an injury because we assume it must be an injury because liam belcher comes on to replace him so then cardiff mm. have got two hookers on the field Cardiff are losing by 14 points at that stage. They bring on mm. Reese Priestland for Jared Evans. We'll come to that because they did the same thing in the first game as well. And I, if you're losing a game, I'm not convinced that Reese Priestland is the guy. And as it turned out, he didn't have his best game, to say the least, apart from that pass for, for Garen Smith. You, can, you contrast that then with Scarlett, who bring on Sean Evans to play hooker. Uh, well, he, he came on a lot earlier, obviously, for the clash of heads between um, uh, Kirby Myhill and Jack Price. Uh, sorry, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Elias. Elias and Jack Price. Kirby Myhill is, was another head knock, which was horrific. But you mm. see Sean Evans' impact on the breakdown and how brilliant he was in turning ball over and creating things. And then you contrast that with the Car- Cardiff side, which Pack no longer has, um, for me, much experience because you've got a front row with barely any caps in the end, because uh, Liam Belcher's gone into hooker eventually after Kirby Myhill gets injured, and even he doesn't have many caps. You don't have any Dylan Lewis. Our hip's gone off. You've got Teddy Williams in the second row for Matthew Screech, so there's not much experience there with Seb. And we've said this before, Seb is one of Cardiff's most experienced players, and he hasn't got that much experience. He's 20, 25 now, but or 26 perhaps, but maybe should be stepping up to that next level. And then... You've taken off Ellis Jenkins. Will Boyd, who was brilliant, has gone off as well. That back row is Sean of any experience. The only capped player in that back row is 
Uh, Shane Lewis Hughes with his one or two caps, isn't it? Um, yeah. And he's been injured yeah. most of the season. And then Garen Smith's yeah. playing flanker. I, I, I think, to be honest, I think Cardiff, with the changes they made, were in a hiding for nothing. And I know a lot of those were enforced. But I think they were always going to struggle. And I don't understand bringing Priestland on with 20 minutes when you're chasing a game. I just don't understand it. He's not that sort of player. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the thinking is. It seems more like damage, uh, damage limitations. Yeah, I guess so. I think, yeah, I mean, to be honest, you're right. I'm just trying to be as optimistic as possible. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, no, I think, I, I think that's the point where it was, it was really unfortunate that Josh Turnbull... Um, yeah. We've had to withdraw shortly before the game because that's the point where you need someone who's been a stalwart for Cardiff for years and can kind of bring the pack with him. Um, and yeah, I see what you mean about Priestland, I think. But I mean, but then I wonder if it's. Uh, I mean, you saw Jared after he was after he'd gone off. He was shaking his head, and I wonder if Diane was just like Jared's lost his head. We need someone who's just a bit calmer to come on and try and steer the ship and obviously that didn't work but I wonder if that was his kind of thinking behind that perhaps yeah. perhaps I suppose I, I don't really know what the the other option is do you I, I suppose I'm sort of suggesting that you if you're going to come up with a tactic you start with Priestland and then you opt for Jared the only way it works if you start with Jared and go to Priestland is if you're winning if you're not winning then having Priestland on in the final 20 minutes isn't really beneficial. You know, you look at the way Wales played in 2019 Grand Slam when they had uh, Anscombe on and then bringing yeah. Bigger on for the final you know, 20 minutes or so just to see the game out. That works, but um, maybe Cardiff aren't going to be winning too many games, so maybe it's not the pattern to, to be going down. Um, the final 10 minutes, Leifs, um it is shambolic, isn't it? And I, I want to use a, a swear word there to be perfectly honest, but it, it, it was utterly shambolic from Cardiff. Yeah, it was. I, like, I know some in commentary were saying, and you've said it plenty of times, but I agree, like, it was quite embarrassing from Cardiff. Yeah. Um, in eight minutes or so, they conceded three tries. Uh, like On the flip side, you were talking about Cardiff's, Cardiff's inexperience in the forwards. In a way, Scarlet's were quite an experience, but that's where our foundation was based because, like, you've got maybe the experience of Sam Luisi, who I honestly, <laughs> he's oh, he's a nuisance, but he's brilliant. Just like his one hand picker, just oh, is yeah. the moment that gets me is is uh, <laughs> it's actually in the first half, but is his slap down of one of the Cardiff lineouts where <laughs> it's, it's an underthrow by my hill. But he just shows utter disrespect to it by like sort of basketball slapping it out of the air, just as if to say, you know, that was pathetic. <laughs> Come again, yeah. try again. Um, uh, but like yeah, overall, you don't have much experience in that forwards. You've got Luis T. Um, California by now is quite experienced yeah. with Scarlett. Yeah. Um, and well, Josh McLeod hasn't been playing. Um, Shingler, yes, well, yeah. yeah, you've got Shingler, but our front row at that point, because Wynn had gone off, he had Steph Thomas, Sean Evans, Harry O'Connor, um, yeah. who were dominating. Um, who came on as a cover second row for us? Um, that would have been 
I would have been um, uh, Carwin Tupelotu moving Shingler to second row. Yes. Again, very inexperienced. So, like, we dominated. Um, and that's just going to boost their confidence now, um, these youngsters, especially someone like Sean Evans. I, I like him. Um, yeah. I don't know how many times I've said, though, this part. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 um, I think Sean's, Sean's a very good player. I actually prefer him at hooker than flanker. Yes, yeah, they need to decide in a position for him now. Because at even one point he became a scrum half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but with a foundation like that, where these young players are building confidence, they're playing well, um, and then the mistakes of some of the Greece Priestland um, restarting a kick shot, giving us uh, momentum straight away, um, we were scoring tries for fun. Yeah. Um, and it, as a Scarlet's fan, obviously, it's great to see the fans have been really excited at the stadium. Um, and, yeah, we scored some good tries. Tom Rogers um, was really unexpected. Um, poor defender, I think, about Spotham Morgan again. It, well, that one, it's a, it's, it's a poor pass from Preston, in fairness. Cardiff trying to play yeah, out from their own 22-metre line, losing territory in the final 10 minutes. They probably could have just kicked the ball and got a bit of territory. I think yeah. that would have been better. Um, Harry Hindsight obviously again but you know it's a poor pass Matthew Morgan knocks it on but before that you know we mentioned we'd come to defending is optional the tackle or non-tackle from Owen Lane is appalling it's absolutely shocking for a international standard wing you know I know he's moved into centre by that point but it's it's shocking shocking defence yeah, I think when Liam Williams just runs over him, he, I, I, I had to like do a double take at first because it, it looked as if, um, as if it was a back rower or something like that who'd, um, just kind of found found a weak defender and run through. But it's, like, it's, it's Liam Williams. Like, granted, he is powerful, but someone who plays the same position as him should not be just literally letting him through. Um, yeah, that was just shambolic um, and then there were Jonathan Davis one at the end again it's just Scarlet's were just like it threw us like a knife through butter it just seemed like everyone was there was just no defensive structure anymore and I guess no trust on the man next to you to make your tackles um, mm. and yeah it just fell apart yeah I think that final try is just yeah, it's it's one of those moments where you go, that's a, that's a season definer. That's a that's a coach killer because those are those are the sort of moments that if you're if you're a player or you're a coach, those are the moments that you see happen and you go, someone's losing their job because that was frankly embarrassing. Because it's it's a ten meter restart. The ball has to go ten meters. Okay, he's kicking into the wind. Okay, he's trying to reclaim the ball. I get it. Um. But then any of those players can grab that ball. If it goes back to a scrum on the halfway line, fine. It doesn't matter. And there seems to be... I don't know why all the Cardiff players stop and try and wait. Because if they if they just grab that ball, it's, it, it's not the end of the world. Because the um, it goes back to a scrum on the halfway line. And it, the ball's clearly not going to travel 10 metres unless it suddenly takes a massive kick bounce, which is very unlikely. But um, 
the way then Liam's allowed to just regather the ball, then offload to Foxy, and Foxy shows you know good pace and power to fend off Matthew Morgan and score. But um, yeah, I I just I just think from Cardiff's perspective that is such an embarrassing end to a game where you know twenty eight fourteen down. It's not great at home, but forty nine fourteen that game finishes. That's that's yeah, appalling. Horrific. Um, I'm I'm trying. <laughs> I want to move on, but um, no, yeah, let's move on because I I I think I think I'll just end up saying a few a few words I shouldn't. But from but, uh, Andy, where do you think Cardiff can go from here? Yeah, oh, I was just going to ask the same question. <laughs> <laughs> as a, as a Cardiff fan, what do you, what do you think? As a Cardiff fan, well, I know before the game, I was look I was looking ahead at our fixture list for kind of the rest of the season. I think we've got Ospreys away, we've got Benetton away. Think dragons away and then zebra at home, which was rescheduled from the storm or something. And I think I was thinking before the game, like if we get a good performance in and kind of get a good home win, and then kind of go like go away to all those games. We don't have the best away record this season, but if we kind of were coming off the back of a good response against Scarlets, then. Those are kind of the teams I would want to be playing away, where we'd have a shot at it, really. Um, particularly like Dragons and Dragons and Benetton. Um, but <laughs> to be honest, now I think we just need to get to the end of the season. With uh, I think it's on damage limitation. Um, see if they can get a win or two. Um, like I'd I'd hope they'd beat Zebra at home whenever that's played. I'd hope they'd beat Dragons away, but. Um, yeah, I think they just need to get to the end of the season, draw a line in the sand, and then work out where on earth to go from here. I think I'd I'd want to see Dai Young staying. I think he's I think he's the man for the job. But um, I think his issue the issue is like, and he's said this in interviews, like he doesn't have he hasn't had been able to put his mark on the squad yet, um, and hasn't been able to kind of do what he wants to. I know we've got a couple of signings coming in for September, like um, like Liam Williams and Falata are obviously the big big names, and then Thomas Young coming in as well. Um, it's frustrating because I think like all three of them are good players to be coming into the squad, and um, particularly say like Liam Williams coming in and Hallam Ross retiring. Liam Williams is a much better player, so that will in theory be a boost. It's just for strength though, because um, my concern is going into the next season that actually we'll know the problem. Because realistically, the problems are in our front five. So if no one's coming in to kind of bolster that, then surely it's just going to be same old, same old. Because um, we've got a lot of, across our squad, we've got a lot of uh, variety and um, experience in the back row got a lot of options in the backs but if we don't have that platform from the type five then you can get the best players in the world playing outside that but they're not going to be able to do anything so yeah i don't know i think yeah just get to the end of the season hope for the best and see if they can just draw a line under the sand and have a fresh start in september and try and get some momentum back i guess yeah i i agree with you um I've just while you were talking there, I was just jotting down what is likely to be the Cardiff side for next season. I've I've looked at that and that backline. You know, you've got Thomas, you've got Jared, 
Got Hallahall at 12, Lilo at 13, who for me is starting to look his age. Um, he is 36, yeah. going on 37. And, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it is phenomenal that he's been going for so long, but I think he is starting to show a little bit of his age now. Um, so I think they need someone in that 13 channel. Maybe it's Ben Thomas in 12, Hallahall at 13, maybe it's Matt Llewellyn, maybe. Um, Maybe they move Lane into 13, or perhaps not. Um, but then you've got Lane and Liam in the backs as well, and you've got the likes of Teo Cabango on the bench, you've got Lloyd Williams on the bench, Priest Priestland, these guys who are, you know, I, I know I've slated Priestland for his performance on the weekend, but he's still a great player. Um, back row is phenomenal with both them, Navigi, Falatau, Jenkins, um, Ratti obviously was, has been brilliant this season. Um even Shane Lewis Hughes as well. Shane, Shane Lewis Hughes, Thomas Young. I think Boyd may be moving on. Yeah. As in, I think that I I I assume Boyd's moving on because I don't see where he fits in. No. Um, I like Boyd a lot. I think he's been very unlucky, and I think he's been shafted by a couple of sides now, Scarlett and Cardiff, because I think he's a much better player than they give him credit. Um, but yeah, I think he may be on his way out, and obviously Ollie Robinson, I think, is definitely on his way out. Um. But then you look at that front five, and I'm sorry, it's just not good enough. Yeah. Just isn't good Who enough. You got in there like Reese. Re- well, like starting five, I think is Reese Carey, on current form. Kirby Myhill ahead of DC because I think DC hasn't been the same player since he's come back from injury. Dylan Lewis, I think, is still the tight head just ahead of our hip. Um, Seb yeah. and Matthew Screech with Turnbull. Oh, turn, turn, yeah. Turnbull can yeah. play second row, I suppose, but even then you're sort of shoehorning him into second row rather than having an out-and-out second row. I don't think... Yeah. And I'm looking at that type five and no disrespect to any of those players, bar, you know, bar maybe Seb, I'm not... I don't think much of any of them. Yeah. No, Speaking I don't. In, yeah. No, it's, it's that's fair. In um, going into hypothetical land... Who would you want to see Cardiff bring in? Um, in terms of like hypothetical but plausible, um, who would you want to see Cardiff try and bring into that front front five from elsewhere that could kind of turn it around? No one for Scarlets, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point, well, isn't it? To no, say no, that's someone the point. like um, Sam Wainwright is playing a lot on the bench for Saracens at the moment. Yeah. Um, if he's thinking of maybe playing for Wales, maybe his way of getting in there is coming back to Wales, that could yeah. be an option for him. Well, if you're, if you're on the bench for Saris, you must be a half-decent scrummager. Exactly. And that's what Cardiff need. They need a half-decent scrummager at tight head because our hip seems to have gone backwards at a rate of knots since he's moved over from Ospreys to Cardiff. And Dillon, his scrummaging seems to have gone backwards recently as well. Um, they need a an out and out quality second row. They haven't recovered since Corey Hill left. I, yeah. I, ugh, I, I don't really. I can't really think of an obvious option there. Um, I think that's the point. Who can you get on a budget? You know, Scarlets have actually. You've got to say Scarlets have been quite clever with their recruitment recently. You know, Scarlets have recruited a lot of players. Not all have worked out. I can think of Ed Kennedy ha- didn't really work out. I can think of, you know, a point this season. Lazana didn't look like it was going to work out, but. They've had a betting in period, be it Louis C, but Callum O'Fony's been one hell of a signing, looked like a brilliant signing to begin with, and Louis C had a betting in period and is now Scarlet's reaping the wards. Um, I can't, 
I can't really give you a name to be honest, Andy. I think I think I think they. Is do... Shadow going to Dragons or is he still at Exeter? I'm making this up. Still at Exeter. Still at Exeter. Exeter. Dragons have signed the uh, another Exeter second row, so. Um, that's yeah. an option in the future. It is an option, as would possibly a, like a, the likes of David Jenkins. But again, you're talking twenty yeah. year olds. Cardiff exactly. need, Cardiff need experience in that front five. Yeah, yeah. I guess in hypothetical terms, because um, I don't think this would happen. But if we could like poach in say like a Will Rollins from Dragons or something like that, or just someone to kind of um, fill that mould of kind of bolstering the scrum and giving us a bit of go forward as a carrier mm. um, could make all the things but in terms of actually realistic options particularly when I, I don't know what the kind of budget is but I'm imagining it's small um, yeah I don't really know what to, what to no, do there I'm, I'm not sure either um, yeah uh, I, I just don't understand why why you sign two back rowers when you've got the back row options that you have and you don't mm. sign any front five players um, yeah I'm baffled at that, but yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Let's move. Let's move on to Scarlets. Loose for the, for the end of the season. Still hopes of top eight. Um, still yeah. hopes of the Welsh Shield, and that has to be the priority. Obviously, getting winning the Welsh Shield, getting European rugby next season, or the top tier European rugby, I should say. And it seems to be Scarlets are doing that thing when the sun comes out and and the weather looks good and the pitches are hard. Scarlets are starting to play some good rugby, and the big players are turning up now. Yeah, I think finally Dwayne Peel's approach has finally clicked. Yeah, there was a bit of a down moment out of South Africa, uh, but since coming back, we're getting bonus points three games in a row now. Um, looking ahead to Dragons, yeah, of course, Derby's can be a tough match, um, but they're going to want to go home next week against Dragons. They're going to want a bonus point to win, same away. And then I think there's two games left and we are closing in on the top eight. But I think we've left it too little too late. Um, but right now we are dominating in Wales and it'll be tough out in, in Swansea against Ospreys. But then Ospreys haven't played much recently, um, especially good, um, impressive rugby on a whole. Um so they need to prove themselves in the next few weeks. I know they're going to Cardiff in like two weeks' time. Um, that could be a, a good game, actually. Um, hopefully Cardiff can step up. But, but the, the, the good news for Cardiff is they won't have to worry about defending, will they? Um... No, yeah, because Oscar's off scoring tries. But, yeah, we are in the driving seat at the moment in, with his rough field, with a new structure. Um, and... Look at the head, we've got like good signings coming in for the next season. Um, so hopefully we can be in Europe. Um but the start of the season is behind us now and yeah. we can hopefully finish it on a good note. Yeah, and you know, it's I, I'm re- I was really happy to see Foxy back to his best at thirteen. I thought he was superb on the weekend. Personally, I'd have given it to, to him or Liam as man of the match. Um one final thing we wanted to tick off before we went was uh, Sam Costello because he did have a very, very good performance in both games, it has to be said. But um, we talked about earlier a little bit about getting ahead of themselves and a certain certain uh, Welsh outlet of media drew your eye, Andy. <laughs> well, yeah, I saw, well, I saw a headline saying that... Um... 
we've found the replacement to Dan Bigger, and uh, I just rolled my eyes at it. Like I, I think Sam Sam Costello has been has been good the past couple of weeks, but he's a young player, and I think the last thing we need is particularly knowing what. Welsh rugby media and Welsh rugby public are like especially for fly halves. <laughs> yeah, especially for fly halves. The last thing he needs is to be overhyped. I think he just needs and, and yeah, I'm not I'm not writing him off. Like he may well um come into his own in the next year or two and end up in that Wales jersey. But um it just seems silly to be kind of looking far looking ahead far too soon. Just Appreciate the rugby he's playing and see where he goes. Um, yeah, I think it just it, it wound me up slightly seeing, <laughs> yeah. seeing, seeing yeah. that. Like he's still only twenty one at the end of the day. Yeah, um, he's yeah. still really young. He's only been in the Scala sector maybe the last year. Yeah, um, and like I told you guys earlier, he Scala's rotated a lot of players, so you don't know who's going to start at ten um, week in week out. Obviously, Patrick is back now. Um, but I, I, yeah, he's a good player. Like he kicked all his kicks yesterday, and they weren't easy ones. No. Um, and what you need that for a fly half, someone you can rely on, especially when it comes to kicking. Yeah. Um, but he's still twenty-one. I. The other thing that does make me laugh is I don't think you could find a player more unlike Dan Bigger than Sam Costello. <laughs> So, you know, like, if you compare his compare and contrast, you know, the, the moment of brilliance from Sam Costello is where he runs through a couple of defenders and sprints towards the line. Dan Bigger's not known for that. That's not a Dan Bigger trait that we'd write down. Dan Bigger's known for huge kicks into the 22 from penalties. Sam Costello didn't do that too well in the majority no. of his kicks on the weekend. There were a couple that were quite uh, on the money, but not all of them were. Um I think they are just very different players, so it does make me laugh. And with all the f- other fly halves that have been touted as the next big thing in Wales, be it you know Sam Davis, be it Jared, be it you know obviously you know Priestland for a bit was absolutely phenomenal, but then you know, didn't uh, had a poor season and then was criticised to high heaven. Let's leave him alone. Let's let him develop. Let's let him enjoy. And that's partly one of the reasons why Bigger became so great because he was given an opportunity at nineteen. It didn't work out. He went back, came through, forced his way back into the, the Osprey setter because he forced himself into fly half, forcing hook out wide and etc. Let him be. Just let him be. Let him play. If he's He's got to earn that shirt. And so at the moment, he looks in pole position for that 10 shirt for Scarlett. But with, as you mentioned, with Patchell coming back, um, there will be a fight on his hands. And, you know, Dan Jones still will get the odd start, even though I know a lot of the uh, Scarlet's faithful and Lucy's shaking her head already. Even though I know a lot of Scarlet's faithful and rather he doesn't. But I'm sure he will get a few starts at, at some stage. Um, but yeah, I think... Yeah, enough fun, Dan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that covers it all, unless we've miss, missed something out. Is that correct? I think Andy wants to go. I just want to come on and do an easy part where I've had a great win and I can just kind of get some of the gloating in. Yeah, I was going to pencil you in for next weekend, but uh, Saracen's away, don't fancy that one? Yeah, yeah, I saw someone on Twitter saying it's just like out of the frying pan. uh, (laughs) Yeah, although like part of me is... The, the slight glimmer of optimism is just thinking back to 
um, similar how we did against Harlequins back when uh, we had a very, very depleted side. And I think actually maybe going into a game as a massive underdog when, uh, where there are absolutely zero expectations might, in a weird way, be a good thing. Yeah. That they can go in, take some risks, and if Sarri's put 50 points on us, then it's kind of what everyone's expecting. If we get a couple of tries in, then slightly better. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think there is a case of... it. The worst case scenario is so bleak that it is, it's almost impossible to be terrible. Do you know what I mean? As in, yeah, you know what I mean. As in, you know, it's it's it, there's there's a you can you you can go there without and just play for fun and just enjoyment. And I think that's the way that Cardiff should tackle it. Similar to as you said, the Harlequin game. Maybe maybe we'll see Dan Fish back. Maybe that's the. Yes, so bring the academy players back. <laughs> bring bring Dan Fish back. Um, I did also say the only other thing I'm looking forward to this week is undoubtedly there will be a daily replaying of the Matthew Morgan try out in Saracens which is an absolute peach from a few years ago if anyone's seen that just type in I realised quite earlier that if you just type in Matthew Morgan try that's the first one that comes up is the one versus Saracens so very worth a watch on YouTube um Thanks very much, Andy. I'm sorry that you've come on on, on this week, but I was trying I don't to think you're sorry in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, next card of win, we're getting on. So right, see you next time. Three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can get you on for for something like the the Cardiff Ospreys game, but um, or something like that. So something a bit more. Um, yeah, another derby. Maybe we can do that, or or something like Cardiff Dragons, with where at least Cardiff can show show a bit more a bit more fight, hopefully, and that'll be the the key. Hope, hopefully, yes, that that is the opposite <laughs> word. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you all for That's listening, fun. and thanks Lucy as well for for just sitting here and gloating for an hour and a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we will be hopefully interviewing Lisa Newton, former Welsh international next week and talking all things Welsh women's rugby. We will also tackle Wales-England at some stage, although we're slightly reluctant, but at the same time, um, we, we are trying to talk more about women's rugby and that'll be important to do. Um, but most of all, thank you very much for listening and so long from me. Yeah.